You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that Well, I wanted to start off, got a little bit behind on the news and notes type stuff. Um, been kind of busy with the ranting and raving and whatnot, so I wanted to get a little bit caught up on a few things. First of all, um, did not mention, but Sammy Watkins was pretty immediately picked up by the Baltimore Ravens, which does make a good amount of sense. As I said, he was he was a pretty good football player for the Ravens. He's been a decent football player pretty much everywhere he's been, with the exception of Green Bay. And by the way, this is like the 700th example, but just, just for the few stragglers that are still out there, the idea that Aaron Rodgers magically makes wide receivers great, or tight ends for that matter, is so insane. I can't think, can you think of a single example of any single free agent tight end or wide receiver that's come to Green Bay and has even been as good? Jimmy Graham was worse. Sammy Watkins was worse. Martellus Bennett was worse. Everybody that comes here gets worse. I'm not blaming Rodgers. I'm just saying it's stupid to say that stuff. That's why Devontae left and didn't go to zero. Because Devontae's a good wide receiver by himself. Other than that, you got individual guys... And they're fit with our team. And for whatever reason, guys come in here and they just don't get it. Seriously, there's... I can't think of a single... I mean, Funchess. Not that I had super high expectations, but he he was less than my expectations. Watkins was less than my expectations. Every single person... Uh, um, Cook. He, he was solid for like two games in the playoffs, but otherwise, he didn't do jack. But yeah, we got guys like Razul and Devondre and Preston and Zadarius and all these guys come over here and are having their best years. We just don't get that with our receivers and tight ends, apparently. But at the very least, I don't want to hear about, can you imagine how, I mean, if they're that good there, they're going to go with Aaron Rodgers. They're going to be amazing. Nope, that isn't how it works. Um, A.J. Dillon should be good to go. He did clear concussion protocol a long time ago. It was very early in the week, if, if not maybe the first day. Um, so all signs point to him being ready to rock and roll against Miami. By the way, I think it's going to be in the 50s, so uh, I think I saw Dara on Twitter saying it's going to be the coldest day of the year for Florida, which is perfect for the Packers. Obviously, there is no Florida heat advantage, which, as you may have heard me talk about last night and then put on Twitter, um, there really is no Florida advantage against the Packers. That's kind of a made-up thing. Four and one playing Florida teams in Florida, if if you insist that we put the weird Saints game in there, fine. They're four and two. Whoa, Packers suck in Florida with a four and two record. And by the way, the I don't know when the New Orleans game was, but the uh, Tampa Bay game was in October, so it wasn't like ninety degrees then either. So it's not a heat thing. It's not a state thing. It's not a thing at all. So if we could all just stop saying Rodgers can't perform or play in Florida, that would be fantastic. It's more obnoxious than the wave. Um, some Bears news just because it's the Bears. They're playing the Bills, so, I mean, there's basically no chance. Although I said that against the Eagles and they nearly beat them. But um, they've got some injury issues of their own. That Eagles game was pretty brutal. Everybody was getting banged up. Uh, Chase Claypool probably not going to be playing. Um, Equinemius did not practice. He had a concussion. Khalil Herbert is probably going to be back, which will work to their uh, 
advantage as far as the run game, but running is what they're able to do. It's it's uh, losing wide receivers when you already struggle to uh, to you know do that. Plus Jack Sanborn, their linebacker that they're super excited about, that's been making some plays for their defense, kind of setting the tone for the defense. Um, he was carted off last week, so I don't think he'll be playing. I don't actually know the status. So I don't expect the Bears to uh, win. Not a lot of good news. I think the worst news is that it's Buffalo. And then looking at the Minnesota Vikings, uh, again, nothing that happens with them really is going to impact us all that much, but it's still, the Vikings are still a rival. Garrett Bradbury is going to be out against the Giants. This This is actually a pretty important game, though, not only because it's the Vikings, but because they're playing the Giants. So on one hand, it's like we need the Vikings to lose because it's the Vikings. However, we absolutely need the Vikings to win and beat the Giants if our playoff hopes are to stay alive. Now, there's still the Washington football team that can lose, I think, two out of three, but I sure would hate to have uh, one of our ways, our paths into the playoffs get eliminated uh, due to the Vikings. So I guess it's win-win or lose-lose, however you want to look at it. But losing Garrett Bradbury, not the biggest blow in the world. He's a pretty terrible pass blocker at the very least, if nothing else. Another team that we need to lose for our playoff uh, hopes or whatever is the Seattle Seahawks. Um, looks like they will be without Tyler Lockett. He's going to be out with a finger injury uh, against the Chiefs, which, again, it's the Chiefs. So there's a lot of tough competition for the guys that we need to lose or want to lose for that matter. Uh, there's also uh, Marquise Goodwin is questionable. He has a wrist and ankle injury. And Noah Fant, the tight end, also questionable. Back-to-back did not uh, DNP designations on the uh, the practices. So not looking good for Seattle. Washington's going up against the 49ers, which is a uh, obviously a pretty tough situation for them as well. They might potentially be missing safety Cameron Curl. He is questionable uh, for Week 16's game against the 49ers. However, it looks like Chase Young and uh, Antonio Gibson are going to be good to go in that game. Detroit, as far as I can tell, is all go, so no other news to report on the teams that matter. Hey, and five minutes ago, Elton Jenkins just signed his big old contract. I just got into an argument yesterday about how the Packers aren't going to be able to to pay him. Four-year, $68 million contract. So it's a $17 million deal. It does go potentially a max value of $74 million, which is $6 million more, so what, 18, 18 and a half? should just use my calculator so I don't sound stupid. Boom, genius, 18 and a half. Um, I'm real happy with that. Because you got to understand, this contract makes him the second highest paid guard in the NFL. I'm, I'm as, as you've heard me say, borderline stunned that he was willing to accept this contract. Because it sounds to me as though David Bakhtiari, or excuse me, I was just reading his contract, how much money he made. Sounds to me Elton Jenkins just conceded that um, he's a guard and not a tackle, which is amazing to me because the Packers at any point could slide him back to tackle and say, you are now our official right tackle. I mean, that could very easily happen. I know he struggled early on um, this season, but we've seen him play tackle at a really, really high level. So that's remarkable to me that he has accepted that um, but not only that, it's not even the highest guard contract. <laughs> I, I'm stunned. Quentin Nelson got uh, $20 million per year. And we're talking about a contract worth $17. 17. And the, and the other higher, the, the other guys are, are older guys. Joel Batonio got 16 and Joe Thune got 16 We're not talking 
young guys on their first big contracts here. And actually, Scherf, uh, another you know big free agent guy that went to the Jaguars, 16 and a half. But tackles are 20 million right now. Even at guard money, I am stunned he didn't get 20 million. Even if they can, like, okay, we're going to try to convince you that you're just a guard. Okay, fine. I'm just a guard. Quentin Nelson got 20. I want 21. At least 20 and a half. Because not only am I just the next the next big contract at guard, which is just kind of how it happens, even if you say I'm not Quentin Nelson, which at this point I think Elton might be better than Quentin Nelson, but even still, I am the next big contract. I am the next stud guard. I want the money. Beyond that, you know full well that if we have a problem at tackle, you're going to put me at tackle, and you know I'm going to tear it up over there. In fact, I know for a fact that there's a chance you're going to leave me at tackle, which is going to make me a pretty, I don't want to say low-paid tackle, but you're getting a discount. But fine, you want me a guard, make me the highest-paid guard. Give me $20.5 million per year. Otherwise, I'm a tackle, and I'm looking for closer to $24 million, which, honestly, I'm kind of surprised that the gap is closed so much between tackles and guards, which is maybe what potentially made this deal a little bit. I mean, if we were talking about the difference between 20 and, and 14 or, or 25 and, and 16 or something, it makes a big difference. Anyways, very exciting news. Elton Jenkins is clearly playing at a, at a really high level again. Um, kind of nerve wracking. He was great last year and then he got hurt. Uh, he came back this year and obviously struggled, but is, is right back on track and has had three, four, five weeks or so in a row of just looking real, real good. Um, consistently pass blocking, run blocking, and um, I mean, it's just it's just crucially important. I mean, offensive linemen are unbelievably important. I, I, I don't want to have to say it again, but running and passing is all that the offense does, and you can't do it without an offensive line. Having a guy like that that can lead the way for Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon and keep Aaron Rodgers upright, what, what in the world do you want more than that? No point in having a Christian Watson if Aaron Rodgers is on his back before Watson can even get 10 yards down the field. And so this is a, a pretty shocking contract i i would have said minimum is 21 um if they can convince him that he's going to get a high guard contract and upwards of probably closer to 24 and they got him for 17 and again the upward potential of 18 and a half but even that is low i'm i'm excited man this this kind of blindside is good timing for a lot of reasons number one i'm just going through the news and this is massive news number two i just yesterday got into an argument with about five different bears fans we're convinced, and I've said this on the podcast, I've said this a hundred times, they are convinced that Elton Jenkins will be a Chicago Bear. They have been telling themselves that forever. Every single time a Bears fan talks about free agency, they 100% will have Elton Jenkins along their offensive line. And yesterday I got into and the, and the, the arguments were, first of all, the Packers have no money. The Packers don't have any money. How could they possibly pay him? And I know Packer fans think this too. Let me ask you this question. The Green Bay Packers offered Devontae Adams $30 million. Do you know what the 2022 outlook was for the Packers' salary cap at this time last year? I found an article. I went and looked it up because I knew it was bad. At this time last year, there was an article. I think it was written by, um, uh, who's the Packers' cap guy? Not the actual cap guy. I mean the Twitter cap guy. Anyways, there was an article written, and the projection was $40 million in the hole. Negative $40 million. How in the world... When the time came, let's call it April or something, did we find the ability to offer, if it wasn't exactly 30, fine. What did he get, 28 and a half, and the Packers offered more? 28.6 million? Who cares what the number is? Where did that money come from? So 
the, the whole we don't have money thing is stupid. We will 100,000% pay guys like Elton Jenkins every single time. This is never going to change. You know who else is going to get paid? Rashawn Gary is going to get paid, and he is going to get stupid paid. The, this idea that, well, we don't have any money, therefore um, we're just going to move on from our best player. Jair, he was supposed to be gone because we couldn't afford him. Elton's going to be gone because we can't afford him. Rashawn's going to be gone because we, you guys have to stop. The Packers will never, ever, 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 ever do anything that puts them in a position where they suddenly don't have the money to pay their star rookies or, or guys on their rookie contracts. That's never, ever, 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 ever going to happen. Ever. Draft and develop. That's it. The other argument is, why would he want to stay in Green Bay? Which is hilarious coming from Bears fans. I don't know, man, but if he's going to force his way out, he sure as heck is not going to Chicago. (laughs) But again, this is just biased Bears fans who assume that nobody would want to be in Green Bay. That's not true. Well, you have a mystery quarterback. No, we have Aaron Rodgers as our quarterback. Well, next year he won't be there. Well, you don't know that. He could be there next year. He could be there the year after that. But you know what? After that is Jordan Love. And I hate to tell you this. These guys like Jordan Love. They really do. Beyond that, I have some more bad news for you. People don't flee teams that don't play well. The Jets are going to give big contracts to young players, despite the fact that Zach freaking Wilson is their quarterback. The Panthers are going to pay guys. The Saints are going to pay guys. Tampa Bay is going to be able to pay guys, despite the fact that Tom Brady has fallen off and will be gone soon. And again, even if this wasn't the case and everybody fled to the five teams that have really good quarterbacks, the Bears are not on that list. But, but, The best part about this is it really just goes back to confirming your overall worldview. Bears fans have a view of how the world works that is so flawed, they thought there was zero chance that the Packers could, one, afford a guy like Elton, two, could attract a guy like Elton to stay, and three, thought for sure that he would be a Bear and that everybody wants to just flee so that they can go play for the Chicago Bears. They're wrong on all counts. Their understanding of how things work what the Bears are, what the Packers are, and how the NFL works in general is so broken and flawed. And the only reason it is, is because some, not all, some, although lots of Bears fans are so insulated. They live in such a tight little Bears bubble that they don't understand anything outside of this little, this little bubble that just says nonsense. And they've been getting fed this, Elton will be a Bear, Elton will be a Bear, Elton will be a Bear, Elton, they've been hearing that over and over and over and over for months. And I've been telling you on this podcast, just because somebody shows up on a list of free agents doesn't mean they're going to be free agents. Most of these guys, especially the best ones, are going to get re-signed. And Elton is one of those guys. He was never, ever, 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 ever going to be anything other than a Green Bay Packer. The only thing that made me slightly nervous is if Elton decided He was more valuable than the Packers thought. If the Packers were convinced this guy cannot play tackle, he's a bum, he's a bust, which doesn't make any sense because last year he played tackle and he was quite good at it. But we only want to pay you to be a guard. And Elton's like, nope, I'm going to be a tackle and somebody else pays him. But I just, I did not see that because he's he's good and the Packers know it. They know he's good. They know what he is. Elton has a, a high opinion of himself and he's right. He's a good football player. However, somehow, some way, and, and you have to assume this injury is a big part of it and getting moved back to guard is a mass. I mean, if, if he didn't get hurt, I, I think that injury last year crushed him. If he had been able to continue to play tackle last year and dominate and then continue to do that this year, the guy would have gotten $24 million per year. But he got hurt, he came back and played tackle and was bad and got moved into guard. 
Anyways, I'm pumped. I'm excited. This is all very, very good news. Um, Elton is a great football player, and that's that's that. that this is completing the, the the cycle. The whole point is, if you want a really healthy team, you got to find guys in the draft. The next most important thing you got to do is develop them and turn them into what it is their full potential is, and then after that, you got to pay them so that they stick around. And they've completed that full cycle with Elton Jenkins. We got one. Boom. Done. Beautiful thing. Uh, anyways, before we get to a break, I, I bookmarked some stuff on Twitter, just kind of rapid fire, just because I wanted to kind of touch on them. Um, again, Dara posting about the weather in Miami. Weather-wise, the Packers couldn't have gotten a better time to play in Miami. Forecast gives 50 degrees Fahrenheit, 10 degrees Celsius, which is hilarious that he feels the need to put that for all his uh, European followers. That'll be quite literally the coldest day of the year in Florida. Next, Ari Mirov. Who is stomping upstairs? I swear. This is what it's like. You want to know what it's like to have kids? Just randomly stomping their feet above your head in the kitchen. Why? Because it's what I do. Marching in place. The first round of bids to purchase the Washington Commanders from Dan Snyder are due tomorrow. Per whoever of Forbes, Snyder has received bids well north of $7 billion. The Broncos sold for a record $4.6 billion. Washington will go for way more. We're talking nearly, well, not quite nearly double, but we're, we're pushing double. And then it says, assuming Snyder sells it all. I, the only reason I want to bring this up is I am stunned at this Snyder guy. You are literally a criminal. And everybody's trying to push you out with threats of, we will send law enforcement your way. Or we will give you seven, call it seven and a half billion dollars to just walk away. How bad does this guy want to own Washington Redskins commanders football team. I mean, I, I really think it's just being a power hungry, you can't do this to me, do you know who I am type of a, of a person. Billionaire who refuses to be pushed around. But I'm sorry, when you start talking about getting the FBI and everybody else involved, and I actually did stuff wrong, and you're like, hey, nobody needs to know about this, just take a check for $7 billion for this crap franchise that you have run into the ground and refused to do anything good with. Take the money, and nobody needs to know. And he's like, nah, no, I want the team. And bring all that heat. Go ahead and bring it. Are you out of your freaking mind? And they're still talking about he may not sell it. Dude, they're going to just take it from you. I mean, if this is a power thing, I'm sorry, but I'm pretty sure $7 billion is a pretty good amount of power. And the best part about it, we're talking liquidity, son. We're not talking about I'm already a billionaire, but it's all tied up in bricks and grass. I can't actually spend it. We're talking about lump sums of money. We're talking about a freighter worth of cash. Take the money, you absolute idiot, and go away and vanish forever. People will forget about you in 18 seconds. I forget about you every time I hear a story about you within four seconds. Another story of a scandal pops up. It's like, oh, what an idiot. And then I forget because you own the Washington Commanders and nobody cares about you. Why are you taking all this heat? Nobody wants to pursue you. Nobody cares. They want you to go away. So go away. They're trying to muscle you out. And it's going to work because you actually did do this stuff because you're a scumbag. Take the money and go away. It's just staggering to me. Um, I got tagged in something that's uh, via, who sent me this? Craig, we'll call him Craig. I don't say your last name. The Jaguars and Bears are the only teams without a Pro Bowl selection, which I find hilarious. I've already said I don't think anybody on the Packers necessarily super deserves it, but just the fact that makes me laugh. And the funny thing is, 
somebody else I saw a Bears fan uh, retweet this and say something to the effect of um, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields have uh, the one thing they have in common is dragging these deadweight franchises. Uh, I'm sorry, nobody on the team made it to the Pro Bowl. That would include the quarterbacks. They're not dragging anything. They're not carrying anything. They also are included in the list of people that are not deserving. So nice try. Uh, Clayton posted something that I thought was awesome. I, I When we did the Aaron Rodgers, um, whatchamacallit, uh, Pat McAfee show, they were talking about uh, UFOs. And I hadn't even seen this until I saw the, the Pat McAfee thing. And I looked at it and I said, those are searchlights in the sky or spotlights, whatever you want to call them. That's what they are. And Rogers, oh, that, that's definitely a UFO, which doesn't mean aliens. It just means it's clearly an unidentified flying. No, it's not clearly an unidentified. How do you know it's something flying? This is, this is the problem. They're, they're starting with a presupposition that we know it's something flying. Now the only question is what makes the most sense. Is it something from Russia? Is it? No, 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 no. You don't get to presuppose that. And it turns out you're wrong. There are lights in the sky, you freaks. Well, the cool thing is, um, a bunch of guys uh, went to this game, and Clayton was one of them, and apparently he went to the Green Bay Botanical Gardens, and they were doing some kind of a light show there, or had, you know, lights shining all over the place, and he actually got a video of it. So he posted the video of the lights and said, uh, we went to, we were at Green Bay Botanical Gardens lights and didn't even realize we saw UFOs. And again, it's exactly what you would expect it to see. You've got, for example, right here, you've got about five different uh, lights in a straight line. They kind of fan out, like down and, and forward. Some of them are kind of crisscrossed, and then they'll, they'll kind of straighten out, which would be why you saw the one kind of get-in formation, as they said, which cracks me up that they actually believe this. Get-in formation. And then once they're in a straight line, the lights do what? They go up which gives the perception of something flying forward in a direction, but it's not. It's a freaking flashlight. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, so that's uh, officially confirmed, not that there should have been any doubt about that. YouTube apparently will reportedly pay $2.5 billion per year for NFL Sunday ticket. Everybody's very excited about this because DirecTV is trash. I'm very excited about it because... The one thing I've always hated about cable, and, and obviously this is a losing strategy now that you have all these other streaming services, but the one thing they've always tried to do is give sort of put you in a stranglehold. That is to say, we're going to take things and make it exclusive to us so that you have to come here and then you have to buy everything. So you have to buy 5,000 channels and you only want two but you have to. You, it, it's it's a and and then they even um, use their money to get the government involved, which everybody just loves when corporations and the government collude. That's just when everybody wins. Um, but they got the government involved, and the government made it so that you can't just provide individual things, or you can't provide uh, little packages. You can build your own or whatever. I don't know if this is still a thing, but it, it was for a while. Obviously, for the sake of not allowing these channels to go under, so it's there. There being a, it's sort of a revenue share thing, where channels that actually um, are worth something and people like have to give some of that money to prop up garbage channels that four people watch. So for YouTube to step in and steal that away from Directv, so that that's one less reason for anybody to give a crap about that garbage product, uh, just makes me smile. 
Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself. For all I know, this is going to be a garbage product, and they're going to charge a billion dollars for Sunday ticket. I have no idea how that's all going to pan out, but it'll be interesting. And I'm just glad that DirecTV lost it because I don't like them. I don't like these cable companies. I never really have. I think they're trash, and I think they um, they offer a garbage product and force you to pay for it because you have no other options, which, again, we do now. I can go a lot of different places and see things. Um, I saw this a while ago. Will Levis, he is a quarterback, and I, as I said, I've started looking at some of the quarterbacks in this class. I don't necessarily like any of them, but the one guy I really did kind of like was Will Levis. Um, he kind of did the things that I was upset Rodgers didn't do, but then when I looked into it, the inaccuracy was a really big problem. That's what made me really nervous, and so I thought, you know, I don't think I want to invest an early pick in any of these guys. But then I kind of had a thought, and that thought was I should go and look and see how big uh, of an emphasis I put should put on accuracy, because it seems intuitive that you should, but I don't know that I should necessarily. And I started looking at some stuff. First of all, as I've mentioned already, um, Pat Mahomes is not a very accurate quarterback and never really has been in the pros. Nobody cares. Nobody cares, right? You say, well, how could you say that? He's th- we've seen the across-the-body stuff, no look. That- right, he can make miraculous throws, but I'm talking about on a, on a throw-to-throw basis, what percentage of his throws are going to be accurate throws? It's a lower percentage than most quarterbacks. And so anyways, I looked at it, um, and it's tough because there's a billion quarterbacks, but first of all, Will Levis, in terms of catchable passes, is actually ranked 38th, which is not terrible because there's a billion, I mean, this is out of 163 quarterbacks, 38th is not that bad. But then I thought, you know, he compares a lot to Josh Allen. How was Josh Allen's accuracy in Wyoming? Do you know where he ranked? 120th out of 166 quarterbacks in terms of his catchable passes. 78.3% of his passes were catchable. Uh, Looking at on target, he was 126th. 76% of his passes were on target. Josh Allen was a big quarterback with a big arm that was not very accurate at all. Pat Mahomes was a little bit more. Uh, He's 35th, which is pretty in line with where Will Will Levis is. Um, But for example, Baker Mayfield was the most accurate in terms of catchable passes by far. Uh, Luke Falk was fifth. Mitch Trubisky was sixth. Sam Darnold was eighth. Uh, I'm skipping a bunch of guys. I mean, Chad Kelly, who I think went like in, uh, I think he was Mr. Irrelevant in the seventh round or something. Trace McSorley was 14th. So I can't help but think when you're talking quarterbacks, when you're looking at the top of the top, how many of them were big question marks or had, had some pretty big red flags? It seems to me when you look at Josh Allen, when you look at Pat Mahomes, even Aaron Rodgers who slid down the draft board, when you look at even Lamar Jackson, what do they all have in common? High risk, high reward. How many of the safe quarterbacks pan out like Mac Jones or, um, you know, I don't know, Jared Goff or Kenny Pickett, Sam Darnold, Daniel Jones? That's not to say high risk, high reward is, is always the guys that are going to win, you're probably more often going to lose with the high-risk quarterbacks. But how many times do you pick the safe quarterback and end up with an elite quarterback? Because And maybe maybe that's not even the best way to say it. You, you, you've got to find the guys that have the elite traits and not worry as much about the, 
the big red flags? Because Trevor Lawrence, I think, is probably going to end up being a very good quarterback, is my guess. You could call him safe based on the lack of red flags, but there's also a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of high upside there. But again, Pat Mahomes is a wild card. We don't think about it now, but at the time, it's like, I can't believe they traded up for that guy. Josh Allen, I laughed at it, but a lot of people laughed at Josh Allen because it's just a stupid gimmick. The guy has a cannon for an arm, and that's it. There's nothing else special about him. And it's embarrassing that teams would, will go all in on a guy like that based on, on tools and traits. It's stupid. Is it, though? Again, how's the Daniel Jones thing working out? How's the Sam Darnold thing working out? Just find the really good stand-in-the-pocket, accurate passer. Seems to me to be a really good strategy if you can find a guy that can stand comfortably in the pocket, make good reads, and throw really accurate passes. That's the guy you want 10 times out of 10. But again, that's, that was Mitch Trubisky at North Carolina. That was Sam Darnold at USC. Kind of Baker, but not really. Baker was a little bit of a wild card. But again, at Oklahoma, the most accurate passer in all of college football. That's why I liked him. Uh, Will Greer, another real... Uh, just accurate po- pocket passer guy that had some some hype for a while. Trace McSorley. Lamar and Josh Allen? No. Uh, you look at the, the next year. Again, Will Greer, Kyler Murray, Gardner Minshew, Dwayne Haskins. These are, these are the guys. Jarrett Stidham, wildly accurate. Now, again, Kyler Murray's got the runaround ability and all, all that kind of stuff. So maybe you're, you're going a little upside with that. I don't know. I don't know. It's not 100%. I mean, uh, Joe Burrow, wildly accurate. I mean, Joe, Joe Burrow is that dude. Stand in the pocket, make good decisions, throw beautiful passes. It's working out pretty well. But it's just something to consider because, again, I, I don't look much at quarterbacks, but I've always just sort of disqualified you if you're inaccurate. Like, if, if you're just throwing wild passes and, and you know, you're sailing balls over guys, I don't, I don't, I'm not interested. I'm just not interested. But... A lot of the top guys are guys that just have unique skills that you can't find anywhere else. You know, Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen are very different in terms of what make them elite, but they both have that attribute of, you're not going to find a guy that can do this kind of stuff. The question is, can you get them, can you fix the broken stuff? Kind of goes back to the old scouting adage about, uh, don't tell me what they can't do, tell me what they can do. People that scout with that ability are going to look at guys like Will Levis and say, this guy is a star. Whereas... I'm going to look at Will Levis and go, I don't know, he looks like he kind of sucks. Because <laughs> I'm looking at the bad. Teams look at the good and they say, we can fix the bad. So just a thought, because again, they, they showed this video of him throwing a 50-yard uh, pass, basically with his feet planted. He did rotate his feet a little bit, but I don't know. I, it just, I saw it and I scoffed, and then I thought, you know, maybe I should look into it. And um, at the very least, there is not just a general easy way to... to determine things like, well, if he's inaccurate, he's going to suck in the pros. Not really the case. And again, Josh Allen was terrible with accuracy. I think Will Levis and Josh Allen are very similar. That isn't to say Will Levis is going to be Josh Allen, but it does make me wonder about him. So now I'm going to go back and watch the quarterbacks again just to kind of see some stuff. And I wonder how much that would apply to other positions as well. Like, for example, Christian Watson. There's no question there's a lot of fears there. There's also no question what the upside is. And the Packers in particular, we know their affinity for finding high upside athletic players. Guys like Jair, guys like Rashawn. Rashawn had a million question marks about what he wasn't able to do. There's a list a lot. This is why everybody hates the Packers drafts. Find guys with high potential that just are not really getting it done in college. But they've got tools. Jair, Stokes, Devontae Wyatt. 
And it makes you wonder, too, if the Packers are more so that way, do they think that way in terms of quarterbacks? And what would that translate to in terms of the NFL draft if, in fact, they did go that direction this year? By the way, if you're curious, Will Levis's longest pass was 55 yards. The longest in college football this year, Grant Wells, Virginia Tech, 67 yards through the air. That's that's a heck of a throw. And to be honest, forget well, Will Levis. What about a guy like Anthony Richardson? You talk about a cannon for an arm. How about mobility, too? I haven't watched him yet, but I'm just looking at it. Um, sixth highest grade via PFF as a runner at quarterback, but also a decently high big-time throw percentage at 5.5%. That's higher than Bryce Young and Caleb Williams, for the record. A little bit higher with the turnover-worthy plays, but again, high upside. Just thinking out loud. Anyways, uh, why don't we take a break right here? We'll come back, look at some other stuff, and uh, that's it. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Now we just had more breaking news. Browns and right tackle Jack Conklin reached an agreement for a four-year, $60 million deal. I'll take that as good news, because that's one other tackle that will not be playing for the Bears. So, uh-huh. By the way, their two big things are Elton Jenkins and Deron Payne, 100% going to be Chicago Bears. Elton Jenkins is already locked up. And, of course, it's based on nothing. There's no reason why either team would not be bringing them back. In fact, here's uh, Ron Rivera um, had made that very clear already. Ron Rivera re- revealed that his commanders need to bring back Deron Payne next year. And for anybody watching the Washington defense this season, the head coach speaks the truth. Quote, you look at the defensive line and you've got these two tackles that you want to keep together, Rivera said Monday via the blah, blah, blah. We want to do everything we can to keep them together. He goes on to say, we know it's going to be hard, but we're going to do it. There's no reason why they wouldn't be able to. There's no reason. I mean, Carson Wentz is going to be gone. And as soon as he leaves, Washington's going to have $46 million in cap space. The head coach says we cannot do without the guy. They're going to pay him. He's going to stay. Uh, Matt LaFleur did have a press conference and address this whole situation, but honestly, it's like a four-minute press conference, and he snaps at a couple people and calls them stupid and then kind of calls it a day. So uh, we'll just leave that alone. (laughs) Matt was obviously in a bad mood. Anyways, I want to end with kind of what we've been doing a lot of the week, going through some of the newest thoughts that have been going around. about the Packers. Here is a video via PFF why Jordan Love could be a sleeper trade piece in the 2023 NFL draft. Now listen, maybe they're going to trade Jordan Love. Maybe they are. I don't know. But make it make sense. Because I, I just, I, I don't 
really understand it, and I don't think I've really ever heard anybody make a really good case for it. Aside from the Packers know that he's trash and are going to try to fleece somebody, fair enough, but nobody can possibly know that, so it's not really worth even necessarily discussing. Let's just agree that if that's the case, then yes, you should trade him. That's not even really a question. Love is an interesting chess piece going into this offseason because he'll be going into year four of his deal next year, and he is a first-round pick, so they also have the fifth-year option on him. So it's not like they're totally running out of time but would Green Bay think about moving him? It feels like Rodgers is certainly enjoying playing football right now more than at least outwardly it felt like he was at the beginning of the year. So I don't feel as though it's I don't I don't feel as though it's it's far fetched to say that Rodgers would be back next year for Green Bay. Let's stop there for a second. This is not a very convincing start. This sounds a lot like Colin Coward saying he seems engaged. He looks like he might be back next year. All right, first of all, who cares what he looks like? The biggest question is, is he coming back? Which we're going to find out before we trade Jordan Love, if we trade Jordan Love. However, you still need to sell me on the idea that one more season of Aaron Rodgers is worth giving away the future at quarterback. Because that's probably all we're going to get if we even get one more year. So try to sell me on that if you wouldn't mind. He's got a lot of money on the line, too, to come back next year and play for Green Bay. And uh, even though he's not at MVP caliber, I still think he's been playing fine. And by the way, you can have both. You can bring Rodgers back and try. I mean, he may try to force his way off the team. That's entirely possible. But he's talking about we should get rid of him. So we're just going to give away um, without even trying to keep Jordan Love um, the future at quarterback. Certainly, as he has gotten rapport with his wide receivers, you're seeing a lot more. Uh, success in that realm as well. Do they move on from love? Because I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm looking at Las Vegas sitting there at number 10. It's not going to cost Las Vegas, the number 10 overall pick to go get Jordan love. No, 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 right way. No way. I would think that it's probably going to be some, some day two pick, right? If Jordan love genuinely, genuinely became available, I feel like Green Bay could pull the trigger with a second-round pick. You- so a second-round pick. We're going to give away the future at quarterback. Again, we're not, we're not discussing whether or not he's, he's good or not, right? I mean, unless that's what you're starting with, the assumption that he's trash, in which case, yeah, I mean, trade him for a seventh-round pick. Who cares? He's not going to play for us. doesn't matter. But at this point, we don't know that he is a garbage quarterback. He is the future at quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, and you want to give that away for a second-round pick and one more year of Aaron Rodgers. Again, please make this make sense to me. You offered a second-round pick for Jordan Love. I think they're pulling the trigger. Now, anything less, and it becomes less of a value of, of Jordan Love and where you drafted him, but more of the value of how much longer is Rodgers going to play, right? Because if you think that he's coming back for next year, which I guess I would lean, he's going to be back with the Packers next year. Dude, there's so much money on the table for him to... How like much for him to retire would be insane. Right. How much further are we getting there? Because then you could still say, no, 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 we're not going to get Jordan Love. We're not going to get rid of Jordan Love because if we play Aaron Rodgers for another year, we still have Love going into next year. We've got the fifth-year option, and then we can play him on it before we make any kind of decision. The problem with the general conversation is you can't just guess. You can't trade away Love because I think he'll probably come back and play in 2024. 
but I don't know. I don't even know if he'll be here in 2023. But if I had to take a wild guess, he'll be here in 2024. And based on that, probably should just move on from Love and hope to find somebody that we think can do what Love can do, um, especially given how much we've invested in him and clearly the progress we've seen in him. We're just going to start that whole process over, be garbage for three years, and see if that new guy can do it. And if he can't, then I guess we start over again. And we go into four, five years, six years, seven years, ten years of, of not being very good. I'm not seeing a return here. I'm not seeing any kind of... I, I, I can't think of anything that is worth giving away the potential future at quarterback for your franchise. And I'm not asking you your opinion on how good you think he's going to be. I'm asking you for, for the sake of argument to acknowledge that you don't know. And until we know, we shouldn't just give him away. That makes no sense. Decision on a quarterback contract. So... I don't know if they're going to be if they're going to want to move on from just for their own planning sake, but if they do, I think a team could offer a second round pick for him, and that does go into the equation. I think for a lot of these teams, and I look at a team like Las Vegas, that's one that could be interested in a quarterback, depending on what they're doing for Derek Carr. Derek Carr's contract is very movable after this year. It's advantageous for him to not be on the team anymore. That's where my eyes go for Jordan Love. I don't know if you have any other thoughts with Love or where he could play into this quarterback conversation. And I have no idea how I missed this. I've been waiting for him to say it. I'm like, did we miss it? Or somehow I just missed it. I want to go back and rewind to uh, this part right here, what he had to say about Aaron Rodgers. Money on the line too, to come back next year and play for green Bay. And uh, even though he's not at MVP caliber, I still think he's been playing fine. Certainly. Even though he's not MVP caliber, he's playing fine. Talking about Aaron Rodgers. So what are we even talking about? He's not an MVP, but he's fine. He's he's good enough. So one more year of fine, and we should trade away the next 10, 15 years of maybe fine for a second round pick that we can do what with? Draft a tight end that has like a 30% chance of not sucking? What's the plan here? I'm I'm sorry, th- this 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 to me is just complete stupidity. I don't get it. Why would we trade Jordan Love? Why would you do that? We may not have a choice if we 100% commit to Rodgers and Rodgers decides to come back and Jordan Love says, I will not come back here again, in which case we have completely screwed the pooch and better pray to all the gods of football that Jordan Love wasn't actually a very good quarterback and we just let him out the door because, eh, I don't know, second round pick or something stupid. Eh, one more year of eh play from Rodgers and another year of missed playoffs. Wow, what what a great what a great trade we made there. It, it honestly reminds me a lot of my thoughts on, for example, playing more Devontae Wyatt. Well, what if Wyatt isn't very good? So what? So what? What do we lose compared to what we could potentially gain? If Jordan Love isn't very good, then we have a subpar quarterback and we miss the playoffs, which is exactly what we've experienced this entire year. But what if he's great? Same thing with Devontae Wyatt. If he's not very good, oh well. Neither has Lowry, Kenny, and Jaron Reed been very good. But what if he's great? The risk versus reward, I, I don't see it. What is the risk? What are we risking? Missing the playoffs? A bad season? That's what we have right now. We're not risking that. We already have that. You can't risk losing something you don't have. There is almost no risk. But what if he's worse? Okay, so what? So instead of seven wins, we get five wins? Oh, gee. But compare that to the benefit. What is the benefit of keeping Rodgers? 
one year of Rodgers? What is the benefit of keeping Jordan Love if Jordan Love ends up being a good quarterback? There, there is nothing more valuable. Nothing on planet Earth. And we should just give him away because what? I just, I just I don't get it. I mean, again, we may, be, we may be forced into this situation where we just have to because we've committed to Rodgers and Rodgers says, I'm not leaving. And Jordan Love says, all right, I've waited long enough and I got to go. And now we just got to recoup as much as we can. Nothing we can do about that. And if the team genuinely doesn't think he has what it takes, then yeah, try to trade him. But if you don't know, I mean, there, there's just there's nothing more valuable on this team than Jordan Love. If you had the opportunity to make anybody on this team a very good football player and you don't pick Jordan Love, I'm sorry, you're a dum-dum. Going from Favre to Rodgers to another MVP Hall of Fame quarterback, there is nothing more valuable than that. And the amount of people that want to just potentially throw that away because, eh, I just have a hunch he's not it. Because I saw him in that one game a year over a year ago, and I didn't like what I saw. Despite the fact that we just saw him more recently and he looked really good, but I'm going to disregard that, pay attention to the other thing, and just assume. Yes, there is less than a 50% chance that he ends up being a good quarterback. I don't care. Let's find out. There's less than a 50% chance that Devontae Wyatt becomes a Hall of Fame player. I'd like him on the field more. There's less than a, than a 50% chance that Watson and Dobbs end up being an elite wide receiver duo. I still want them on the field. I have no desire to just hang out in mediocrity just for the fun of it. Just because I'm scared that what if it gets worse? The heck is the point? I'm going to move on here. Uh, this is from The Volume. It's a Colin Coward thing, but this is not Colin Coward. It's, uh, uh, I don't know. He's got a weird little shtick he's doing, but he's a betting guy. And he looks, the thing I like about the betting shows is they're not hot takey. They're trying to be accurate. They're trying to be correct. So they have to put in a lot of homework on these games. And they usually come up with some pretty interesting stats. Um, So just kind of picking this up somewhere in the middle. Here is what he had to say about the Packers, specifically the defense. Looking at this Green Bay defense, say what you will. They're awful. They're giving up almost four touchdowns a game on the season. No, they're not. Actually, they're not. They're giving up 22 a game. And Miami is giving up 24 a game, my guys. Packers shut out the Rams in the fourth quarter. Listen to this. Since week eight, the Packers have allowed only 20 points in the fourth quarter, including four shutouts. Let me remind you, since week eight, halfway through the season, the Packers have given up 20 fourth quarter points. Only Nick Bosa and the San Francisco 49ers have put up a lower number, 14. And remember, I've gone on and on on the pod when we backed the Niners about how they've had five of six shutouts in the second half on this incredible run they're on, seven-win streak, da-da-da-da. Who's the second-best closing defense in this stretch? The Green Bay Packers. Now, it's Christmas weekend. I'm hoping, I'm hoping down in pet detective land, it's less than 50 degrees because Tua is 0-4 with a 71 passer rating when it gets baby back cold. All right? The weather is real. If there's any weather implications on Sunday, Christmas, you lean Green Bay. Skipping ahead a little bit, but continuing. He's going to ball out. Talking about Rodgers. He's going to beat the Miami Dolphins. I'm telling you that right now. The Miami Dolphins. Who? Don't want to run the football. It's one of six teams that cannot put up over 100 a game. And I'm here to tell you 
that Green Bay behind Philly has the second best pass defense in the NFL, giving up 185 per. So if they don't want to run it, they're going to have to go against the second best pass defense. This Green Bay Packers defense was top 10 last year in almost every statistical category. They shouldn't be this bad. I'm taking the Packers money line. I'm telling you right now to take the three and a half because Green Bay's covered three of their last four as a dog. Dolphins are 0-3 in their last three. And I know it's a week-to-week league and they've had a tough draw. They had to play Buffalo. They had to play San Francisco in San Francisco. It's been brutal. You look awful against the Chargers. Anyways, so as far as that last point, there's a lot of good information there. As far as that last point, it is true. Green Bay Packers have given up the second least passing yards of any team in the entire NFL behind only the uh, Eagles. You know why? Largely because they're the least passed against team. They're one of the most rushed against team in all of football. 27th in terms of rushing attempts. 29th in terms of rush yards. Now, net yards per attempt, that is to say, when they pass, how well do they pass? The Packers are 18th. So in terms of how good are they against the pass, not looking at just volume, they're 18th. But the point is, teams have been avoiding throwing against the Packers and have chosen to run, and what he's saying is, Miami refuses to run the ball. They rank 31st in rushing attempts this season. I've talked about matchup. I've mentioned it before. There are certain teams, whether they're good or bad, Tennessee is not the best team in football, but that is a team I don't think we're going to beat, you know, in 10 tries, I don't think we beat them twice. Not because they're good, but because of how we match up against them. We've got a Dolphins team here that is going to refuse to do what they need to do to beat the Packers, and that is run the ball. That's not to say they can't beat us through the air, but that is to say the easiest path this is another thing I've mentioned. Is Too often the Packers look like they're paddling uphill. They're doing things harder than it needs to be. Trying to beat the Packers by refusing to run the ball is not exactly the best strategy, especially when, as we looked at, you have a very good running back. Very good running back. Also, as much as I'd love to not play these clips for you, just take all the information and claim that I found it on my own, not going to do that. Did you know what he said about the Packers' defense? This is, this is what I said that's been shocking, is, is the assumption has always been the Packers' defense is just straight-up trash. Just straight, just across the board, garbage. Fourth quarter defense, the Packers are ranked number two. Since week eight, what did he say? Four shutouts in the fourth quarter since week eight, which I think is six weeks. I don't know if it's since meaning week nine and later or since meaning week eight or later, but we've got the bye week mixed in. But that's a lot of shutouts. 20 points over that span. And look, the 40 points to the Eagles, that that sucks. But outside of that, what what... No team has reached 30 this entire year. Not one has reached 30. The Dallas Cowboys got to 28, and that was the the biggest point total. Honestly, if we do the thing where we kind of compare, you know, what does the offense have to do to win? What does the defense have to do to win? It's starting to look a lot more like an offensive problem. Here's why I say that. Again, only reached more 30 or more once. Do you know what the Packers' record is? When a team scores 20 or more points, let's say more than 19 points, they're 2-7, and seven, and both wins were overtime wins. We're talking New England Patriots, Dallas Cowboys. When the defense holds a team to less than 20, the Packers are 4-1. and one. Similarly, do you know what our record is when the offense can't get to 24? 1-7. When we can score 24 points, not that hard to do, just 24 points, 
Our record is 5-1. and one. I'm not saying the defense has been great. And obviously there's an adjustment to be made because this year is weird. But to say that we have basically a perfect record when we can just get to 24 points, however, we couldn't do that for most of the season. Our loss against the Giants, 22. Washington, 21. Buffalo, we scored 17. Tennessee, we scored 17. The Jets, we scored 10. Detroit, we scored 9. Minnesota, we scored 7. We scored 24 against the Rams, we won. We scored 27 against the Bears, we won. 27 against the Patriots, we won. 28 against the Bears, we won. 31 against Dallas, we won. The only loss came against Philadelphia. And again, that was the only game in which the defense gave up a bunch of points, which was 40. And if you think about it, it shouldn't be that surprising, considering now that the offense is starting to pick it up, even though we believe that the defense is is getting worse, the offense is picking it up and suddenly we're winning. So have we been held back by a bad defense or by a bad offense? Which, which, which one has been holding us back? I mean, really, that, that, it is quite impressive, the fact that, that, that only one team has reached their... The Philadelphia Eagles, really good defense. Gave up 35 to Detroit, 33 to the Packers, 32 to the Commanders. They've done it three times. And by the way, it's really hard to keep teams from scoring when your offense keeps going three and out. I'll throw that out there. I'm not looking to give them a complete pass. Because we've all seen what they've been able to do, and it's not good enough. But I also think we're really putting way too much on the defense and maybe not enough on the offense. But the, again, the good news is, if the bar really is 24 points, do we think the Packers can't hit that? The new and improved Packers offense can't hit 24 points? And by the way, that's not a bad number for Miami either. If you look at Miami's defense, the team is undefeated when you don't hit 20 points. Seven against the Patriots... 10 against the Steelers, 15 against the Texans, 17 against uh, 17 for the Browns, 19 Bills. They won all those games. When, they, when teams have scored more than 20 points, they're 3-6. and six. It's obviously harder to do for, my, for uh, Minnesota, who's after that, because Minnesota has hardly lost any games. But 24, again, is sort of that benchmark. Less than 24, they're undefeated. 22, 22, 17, 16, 7, they're undefeated. Their losses have been at 24 points, 34 points, and 40 points. Detroit, exact same thing. Less than 24 points, undefeated. So our next three opponents, they're all undefeated under 24 points. Uh, not Miami. Miami's 20. But under, under 24, you're in a lot of trouble if you can't get to 20 or 24. But if you can, if you can hit 24, if you can hit 28, if you can hit 30, you've actually got a pretty good shot. Sub-24, the Detroit Lions are 5-0. and They're 2-7 and when you hit 24 points. You want to know why their team's doing so well? Everybody's enamored with their offense. How about their defense? When we played them, you know what we scored? Nine points. Giants, 18. Jacksonville, 14. Vikings, 23. Jets, 17. The only team that played them and scored points and still lost was the Bears, who scored 30. It's one of their few wins with a bunch of points given up because it's the Bears. Anyways, let's continue on, because this is becoming a theme that apparently people are starting to pick up on, which is weird, because we haven't been <laughs> picking up on this. Um, NFL on ESPN, NFL Week 16, previewing Packers versus Dolphins. Ryan Clark, Rob Ninkovich, and Dan Graziano all picked the Dolphins. Sam Acho picked the Packers, and the question is why? <laughs> That's how TV works. Why are you picking the Green Bay Packers? To I, win this I game? love the way that their defense has been playing, specifically last week. You saw what Kenny Clark did dominating up front. Well. That, he played really well. Adrian Amos is going to have to man the back end. But offensively, I think that 
I think that Green Bay doesn't have to worry too much about Miami's defense, right? Miami's a 28th-ranked defense. They haven't even played overly great even since the Bradley Chubb edition. You don't need to be excellent, right? You don't, have, you don't need to be excellent if you're Green Bay. Run the ball. Romeo Dobbs had a good game. Christian Watson played well. That's what you need, just to be okay, right? Be what you've been all season. But defensively, if you can follow the same game plan that San Francisco did, follow the same game plan that the L.A. Chargers had defensively to slow down Miami, which I think you have the personnel to do that if you're Green Bay, you'll be able to keep this game close and find a way to find a win. Miami's lost three in a row. Yeah. I think sometimes, I get it, they play difficult teams. But sometimes winning and losing in football is contagious. Green Bay has won the last two against subpar teams. I think you carry that momentum into this game and find a way to win in Miami. You look at this. The, the Miami has the thir uh, top three passing offense in the league this year. Packers uh, second in passing defense, allowing nearly 100 fewer yards per game than what Miami produces. Miami has lost three in a row. So again, it, it started off with the Packers have no chance, and all of a sudden... We've got the gambling people coming out. And, and sometimes I think these things take time, right? It's the same with the draft process. I think early on you get a lot of just people throwing stuff out there. Nobody really knows anything. Nobody's really paying attention. Then you get the draft people that are super into it. It's probably less so now because there's so many draft people. But And then that starts to change people's opinion on things. And then you get the GMs and the teams who start throwing out their opinions and then the draft experts pretend that it was their opinion, even though they just overheard somebody else say it, and that trickles down to the fans, and then it's everybody's opinion. I think that's kind of the same thing here. You got the big bloviating uh, hot air machines that come out and just spout nonsense based on just whatever they think, right? They, they don't remember what the Packers have done since, you know, April. It's, they, they, they don't know. They, I, I saw them in September once, and they sucked, and I, I don't know. They're, they're trash, and Miami... High-flying elite offense, so yeah, okay, stamp of approval, got it done, I know what's going to happen here. But then again, you get some numbers people, you get some other people to look at it, and all of a sudden it's, oh, well, actually, let me look at that again. Hmm, yeah, I don't know, maybe. Again, I'm not saying the Packers are going to win. I'm saying when you examine it a little closer, mm, it's not necessarily an open and shut case anymore. Anyways, I am going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. Stay safe out there. There's uh, some kind of a bomb cyclone running around. I don't think it ever showed its face, but still, you should you should watch out for it. it sounds scary, so it's, I think that's what matters. Have a good night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.